Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about truth and grace boldly. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, it's Haley Williams, and this is episode 120 of Kindled. Today I'm going to be talking with Rosie McKinney. Rosie is the founder of Fight for Love Ministries, a ministry that is aimed at helping all women have a baseline of information about the dangers of porn and the way out of addiction so that every marriage has a fighting chance. This is also a very timely topic in light of the coronavirus pandemic, because since the start of the pandemic, the most popular porn subscription site released insights tracking user engagement in different countries all around the globe and found that uh, across the site, their traffic had increased exponentially, with daily use increasing by 12% since February 24th to March 17th. So while this is always an important topic and something that we should be talking about in the church, I think it's more important than ever that people understand the dangers and that we normalize and make it a topic that is available to be discussed because it is something that is affecting so many people around the world and Christians are not immune. Christians are not excluded, and we need to be having these conversations. So it may make you feel uncomfortable, but it's so important. If it isn't you or your marriage, it's one of your friends. So encourage you to hang in there. But this is definitely not a kid-friendly episode, so either listen to it when your kids are not around or pop your headphones in. Okay, guys, here's my conversation with Rosie McKinney. Welcome, Rosie, to Kindled. Thank you so much for having me, Haley. It's a pleasure to be here. I know everyone listening is like in love with your accent right now because it's beautiful and (laughs) they're going to be just enjoying listening to you for the remainder of our interview. Where are you from? I grew up in Yorkshire in the UK and then moved down to Brighton, sort of seeking warmth. That's about as far as you can get south. Yes. Oh man. Still wasn't very warm. (laughs) Yes. And then where where are you at now? So now I'm in California. Okay. So still uh, nice weather. Oh, it's beautiful. It's, we are, we are truly blessed. So getting into, I know we're going to talk about your story some and and what you're an expert on, which, well, I don't know if that's how you just define yourself, but it's become a part of your story. And that is pornography and the porn industry and just how that has affected our culture and people's brains and marriages and relationships. But before we launch into that, I would love for you to introduce yourself to listeners. Sure. Well, my name is Rosie McKinney. I am married to my husband, Mark, who is now a certified sexual addictions therapist. We have two boys, nine and seven, and I homeschool them a couple of days a week. So not full time, can't quite manage that. So that works well. We are the founders of a ministry called Fight for Love Ministries, and we empower and equip women with the faith and facts to fight back against pornography in their relationships. Yeah. And I am a Lifeway author. I've got a book 
called Fight for Love. And I'm also the host of Fight for Love podcast, which is a panel group, which is really fun. I get to work with some wonderful women and it's a bit like The View, but we just talk about pornography and its effect on marriage and just bring lots of different perspectives and our experiences and share with our listeners everything we had to learn the hard way so that yeah. hopefully people don't have to. We just want to speed up that process of information gathering so you can listen to all the episodes and learn very quickly and easily and also get a, just get a glimpse of what recovery looks like because yeah. it's really scary. It's really scary sort of walking into a recovery group the first time. It's like, what are they going to be like? What are they going to think of me? And actually, when you right. hear these women, you go, actually, they sound like a really fun group of women. Actually, right. they'd be fine to hang out with. They'd be, they'd be cool. Can they be my friend? That's so cool. I did not realize you did that. So we'll link that in the show notes for sure for anyone who might want to take a listen to that. I will for sure be checking it out. So how long have you been doing that podcast? We started in the new year. Okay. So it's, it's brand new. It's brand new. Yeah. We're a couple of months in and what's really exciting is we, you know, the questions are coming in now and people are coming forward and saying, I can't believe you're actually talking about this and talking so candidly and honestly, which is just brilliant. And because I'm so proud of the other ladies on the team because they're just out there and they're open about their stories and their husbands are totally supportive, but it's, it's quite a big deal, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's a good place to transition because this is a big deal. It is such a prolific and prevalent issue in culture today. I mean, I know, you know, the stats, I'm sure our listeners can imagine some of the stats and I, I don't know if you have stats to bring today, but I did a little research as well. So I'd love, you know, if you could just kind of, before we get into your story, kind of cast the vision for like, why is this a problem? You know, we, we hear about it, but just how big of a problem is it? Yeah, I think that, I think that's a great point because it really does sort of break some of the shame when you realize quite how prevalent this is. And Josh McDowell, who in 2016, he commissioned a Barna study. He put down $300,000 to commission this huge study on pornography in the American church, mm. which means that we've got the data now, which is fantastic. And he said, pornography is the greatest threat to the cause of Christ in the history of the world. Wow. Which is, I know, it's incredible. And he found out that 79% of Christian men who attend evangelical church regularly use porn. Eight out of 10. 55% of married Christian men look at porn at least monthly, and at least one in 10 look at porn at least daily. But Mm. so we've got these huge numbers. We've got the fastest growing user group is women, and the biggest user group, and this is where it gets really heartbreaking, is 12 to 17 year olds. Wow. That's crazy. And here's one to really blow your mind is one out of 10 porn users is under the age of 10. And that's That's just so sad. It's just heartbreaking. We have to talk about this topic. You know, we've never had such unprecedented free access to the material that we have now. And I was reading this morning about the problems that are coming out of this, you know, your child on child, sex Mm -hmm. assaults, violence against women, you know, all the addictions, how it's affecting marriages. We've got 500,000 divorces a year attributed to compulsive porn use. This is a huge epic Goliath problem that we have to start talking about. And I really do believe that the discussion needs to start with women. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's wow. why I'm just really grateful that you've got me on here just to sort of just shed some light on, on this issue and, and give people some tools and, and places to go. Yes. I'm so glad that someone like you has stepped forward with a story and the courage to tell your story and, and to just speak truth into this darkness because it is darkness and it is pure evil. And yet it is. it is just so hard 
to have honest conversations about it because we know everyone, you know, not everyone, but almost everyone has been affected by this. If not yeah. directly yourself, someone, you know, or love for Absolutely. sure. And so if it's eight and 10 men, you know, just mm-hmm. count down the pew or, you know, in your chairs in church and you're, you're seeing the yeah. people who are affected by this and it becomes like, well, how do I engage in that conversation as truthful and honest and and unabashed, you know, unashamed truth, but also bringing grace to the people who have been affected because, you know, we know that they're already walking in shame. We already know that, especially when it comes to Christians, at least. Yes. Before we kind of keep going, I I have a couple stats that I just pulled this morning and this was just crazy to me. So I want to share this. So every second, 28,000 258 users are watching porn on the internet. Yeah. $3,075 is being spent on porn on the internet every second. And every second, 372 people are typing the word adult into a search engine. And we can't ignore the fact that not all that porn is consensual. Right. And, right. you know, there's a petition going around Twitter at the moment trying to, you know, shut down Pornhub, which is... Yes, I saw that. I saw yeah, it. which is, which is, you know... <laughs> allowing depictions of teenage rape to, they're they're allowing them to be on the site and profiting from them and we have to stand up and say enough we we have to yes this is affecting our marriages but we have a responsibility above yeah. and beyond to stand up and, and protect those people who need protecting yeah another little breakdown here from daily use or every day 37 pornographic videos are created in the united states two and a half billion emails containing porn are sent or received 68 million search queries related to porn and 116,000 queries related to child pornography are received every day yeah i mean it's just it is yeah. I mean, we're drowning in it yes and and so to kind of turn a blind eye because it's uncomfortable or embarrassing mm-hmm. or shameful or whatever I mean, it's suicidal, really. Yeah. It does feel like we're being pressed up against the Red Sea in terms of where pornography is taking us, the amount of marriages that it's taking down, the amount of, you know, people, you know, men, women, and children that are getting addicted. And we are being pressed up against the Red Sea. And without the intervention of God and without repentance, you know, on a mass scale, we're going to get annihilated. But I also believe that this is where the power of God will be most brightly shone. I do believe that this will be the turning point because we're being pressed up. We're being forced to deal with it. We are, we are literally drowning, you know, give it another generation. We're not going to have a choice. It's, you know, yes, it's uncomfortable to talk about this, but we're going to have to talk about this. And that's where it's exciting because, you know, we talk about, we want, we want revival. Mm -hmm. We can't have revival where we're hiding in the shadows, you know, scared to talk about this. So I do believe there's tremendous opportunity for the church Mm -hmm. to shine brightly on this issue, not because we don't have a porn problem, but because we admit that we do. And we point to the one who can help us, who, who is our savior, who, who will give us deliverance and breakthrough and transformation because recovery is not just about getting rid of the porn in your marriage. It's about totally transforming your marriage Mm -hmm. because it's not just about, you know, porn is not even the problem in a marriage. Porn is the solution to a much deeper problem, which is actually an intimacy disorder. Mm -hmm. So when you get into recovery, that's what's fixed. And so your marriage absolutely blooms, transforms. You've got trust like you never had before. So I think we can really front end this discussion with hope. Like it's not just about removing this dark, evil threat. It's about walking towards what God really has for us in terms of marriage 
and shining in the light in in the world yeah Yep. Amen. That's so true. Well, why don't you kind of give us the breakdown of how this came to be part of your story? How did you get involved in, you know, writing a book on the topic and starting a ministry and and where did that all begin for you? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So my story is different from many other wives in the details, but the arc of the story is the same. Normally, it takes wives years of enduring the devastating effects of porn addiction to finally get to the point of saying enough. Mm-hmm. And my whole premise of my book is that I can put it down, I can boil it down to six words. It's don't ignore, don't compete, stand firm. So that is the pivotal message that I want people to hear today. It's all about standing firm. So normally it takes wives years and years to actually get to that point of saying enough. But in my case, because I'd already been in a long-term relationship with an unrepentant porn addict before becoming a Christian, so I came to, I got saved in my early thirties and way before. So I'd already been in this relationship way before I met my husband. So to some extent, I had a certain advantage. I'd already experienced what porn does to a relationship. I'd already learned the truth about porn addiction. And I'd wasted years trying to plead, placate, and pretend porn away. So when days into my married life, it became clear that my brand new husband had the same issue, I didn't hesitate. I said, enough. And on day eight of married married life, I froze the bank account, got the number of a divorce lawyer, and gave him an ultimatum. I said, it's me or porn, but not both. There's no way I was going back into a relationship where porn addiction was present. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, my husband was done. He was done trying to fix this on his own. He'd already lost a previous marriage and he was ready to get help. So that's our story. So I did early intervention, but only because I'd already been through years of learning the hard way. And so my message is let's educate ourselves. Let's empower ourselves to get to that point of enough much earlier when the damage to your heart, the damage to his brain, and the damage to your relationship is so much less. Recovery will be quicker, it will be cheaper, it will be easier. And let's take early intervention instead of crisis management. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got into it. And as my husband, he was an ordained pastor, and he really felt called to this ministry. So he, he went off and trained to be a certified sexual addiction therapy. And we ran groups for men and women and our ministry just grew and grew. But the thing that struck us, because we'd go out and we'd talk to, he'd go out and talk to men's groups and he'd have a kind of degree of success. And we're going, we know the stats. We know people are out there suffering. Why aren't the men coming forward? So we thought, ah, I know, let's go and talk to parents because, you know, this will be a, a cunning way to actually tell people what it's doing to their brains as well. So we'd go and talk to parents and again, sort of success. And I said, why don't we talk to the women? The women are the ones who are actually saying enough and getting the guys into recovery. So I went off and talked to the women and it's like, wow. Then the phone went off the hook. You know, it was, women are so ready to, to find out what is, what they need to do. Women are already fighting so hard. They are trying so many strategies and exhausting themselves, trying to compete with porn, trying to ignore it, trying to be graceful about it, trying to support their husbands when really They just need to stand up and say, enough, we are going to get help. And if you won't get help, I'm going to get help. Yeah. That's the message, which is really, it's really simple, but it's not easy. And it takes great courage. It takes great faith. And it also takes a great deal of education to actually convince yourself that it's worth making waves in those early days when porn doesn't seem that bad. It's not really affecting your relationship 
mm-hmm. that much? Or is it? Because that's the other problem. Women don't really fully understand the effect that it is having on a relationship. It's like you just get used to things being a certain way and you think, oh, well, that's just how he is. But I think if women could be given the facts about what porn addiction actually looks like inside and outside the bedroom, they'd be like, really? Seriously? I'm not putting up with that. You know, Let's, let's do something. I think that is part of the struggle is just the education piece of because we don't talk about it a lot, because even if someone has struggled in the past or is struggling, they're not going to do the research. They don't want to know. Like you don't, it's just like if I'm addicted to McDonald's and I go every other day and I love their salty fries and have that addictive salt, like, am I going to be doing research Mm -hmm. trying to convince myself not to do it? No. Mm -hmm. I mean, I want to pretend like those things aren't real and that it's not a big deal and it's fine and I justify it. And it's just, it's not as big of a deal as other people might make, or it's fine for me, or I've got it under control. Oh, well, I'm just working out harder to compensate. You know, all the things that we would do when you start to get into the place of addiction with anything or whether it's alcohol, you know, I mean, we, we know what it looks like in other, in terms of other substances or other lifestyle choices, but I think it's just harder because it's all unseen. It all goes, it's just, it's not, you know, it's, you, you don't see someone yeah. engaging in porn, whereas you might see someone out drinking too much and you are like, wow, okay, this person might have a problem. And I didn't realize that this, you know, they, they're compulsive, they didn't have the capacity to even put it down. So I think there is that education piece that is really challenging. And then the fact that in some ways, I think there's just this denial in all of us, probably this is just sin nature, that what we do with our bodies affects our soul. Mm-hmm. And it's like that Gnostic point of view that the body is dirty or bad and the soul is pure and that they don't have anything to do with each other. It's like, absolutely, our bodies and souls are intertwined. And we know that what we do with our physical body that God gave us does have an effect on our spirit and our soul. And so, yeah, there's a denial of that. And that's such a brilliant point, Haley, because in marriage, two becomes one. And if your husband is polluting himself with pornography, there is no way that that is not infecting you and your family. And you mentioned just before that, that addicts can't help themselves. They're not going to go and do the research. They're addicted. And this is why it's so important that wives understand their crucial role in that they are probably the only person in their husband's life who under who knows about their porn addiction. Whether or not they're acknowledging the severity of it, they know that something is going on and they know that things aren't right aren't quite right in the marriage. They might be severely not right in the marriage, Mm -hmm. but there is no way if porn addiction is or compulsive porn use is an issue in your marriage that it's not affecting you in the bedroom, obviously, or outside the bedroom as well in your, in your decision-making and just generally how you, how you relate to one another. Right. So, but the role of the wife is not to fix a husband. You can't fix him, but you can get him to somebody who can. And when you said that, you know, it affects your soul, if we just think about what the Bible commands us to do, you know, which is to keep ourselves pure and to flee sexual immorality, if this is going on in your household, the Bible is quite clear what your responsibility is to do. And if someone is leaving the door open to that sort of demonic, evil, spiritual, negative component, you have a responsibility to shut the door because your husband can't shut the door because he's addicted. So you have to do it. You have to tear down that Asherah pole that is being worshipped in your household. It's your responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's convicting, but it's also empowering. It's like, yeah, you're right. I'm not doing this because I'm a prude or because I don't like the idea of it. It's like, I'm doing this because God tells us to do it. 
Yeah. It's obedience. Yeah. And we talked about this a little before we started recording that. And you just said actually at the beginning there that the women were the largest or the fastest growing group of consumers of porn. So, you know, women listening, if this is you first, I just want to say you're not alone. You're not a pariah. You're not some weirdo, you know, in the sense that like you hear that from the pulpit all the time. I mean, at least in our church, sometimes that's often used as the example of the sin, sin that we're engaged in, you know, knowingly or unknowingly. And and they'll say like, you know, men with pornography. And, and sometimes I want to be like, you know, just don't, don't single out men because yeah. I think you're making women feel bad. You're making women think, oh, that's not normal if I've struggled with that. And I told you, Rosie, that, that I was exposed to porn for the first time in high school. Mm-hmm. And it was not the only time that I saw it. It became a problem for me through college. And so I think it is just important for us to recognize the reality that women are susceptible to this too. And you actually have totally. some data to back that up. Yeah. I mean, with the science. Yeah. They did um, research. They plugged both men and women sort of into monitors and exposed them to pornographic material and their brains lit up in exactly the same way. And they monitored the time of arousal and it's pretty much the same. You know, our brains are react in exactly the same way, men or women. We interact with pornography slightly different. We use it for slightly different reasons, like men objectify what the, you know, the women in it and women actually project themselves into the action. So that's why it's extremely damaging for women because their arousal templates are getting rewired to being abused, which is horrifying. But I wanted to, when you were talking about what was being said from your pulpit, I was just reminded of Jesus's ministry. Whenever he dealt with anybody who was dealing with an issue of sexual immorality, they were always women. Mm. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but it's always women. It's like Jesus was so ahead of his time saying, look, women are just as susceptible. They need just as much um, redeeming and, and restoration. Uh, and, and I love that, that, you know, he, he looked them straight in the eye. He didn't cheapen their sin or the quality of his grace mm-hmm. by saying, oh, she didn't really want to do it. Women don't really do that. She was just lonely. Yeah. You know, he, he just treated her as an equal as a, and I think that's, that's beautiful. And, and just a reminder that women, which, you know, we're the same, we're, we're the same. We're all, we're all broken. Right. We're all, right. you know, and increasingly broken in that way. Yes, you know, boys and girls, please, mothers, please, fathers, talk to your girls. I've got a good friend whose daughter got addicted at 10 Mm. and devastating. This was an A student. She was, you know, in ballet, in swim team, and she had this whole secret life going over. And it, you know, really devastated her life, you know, for maybe seven, eight years until until they discovered what was going on. Mm-hmm. Wow. You just can't assume because your kid is making good decisions in the rest of their life that they're not actually being lured into this secret world. Exactly. Because yeah. the poison tastes good. The poison mm-hmm. tastes good. You know, there's a reason rats eat poison. It tastes yeah. good. And you're not necessarily going to see anything on the outside that looks any different than anybody else. In fact, you can almost always guarantee you're not. You know, I mean, very rarely would you probably see result. And I'm, I guess I'm speaking more in terms of not in a spouse situation, because with your spouse, I think you would probably see that sooner, would you say, versus like a child or a friend who was struggling? I think that there are warning signs and we can talk about those in a little bit, you know, what to look out with your kids. But with a spouse, certainly in the bedroom, you are going to notice that there's a problem. And I really want to highlight that men don't always become hypersexual 
because of a porn addiction. They don't always, you know, uh, want more sex, more frequency of sex, more pornographic inspired acts imitated. There's 50% of guys actually become sexually avoidant. They ignore their wives sexually. And women don't understand that. They think he can't be doing porn. He's not into sex anyway. Or they assume that it's their fault. 75% of wives of porn addicts at some point think that they're responsible, that they're not good enough, they're not attractive enough, they're not sexually adventurous enough. And it's just not true. It's nothing to do with marital sex. A real woman, one real woman cannot compete with this incredible chemical high that internet porn produces. You just can't. Are you a female entrepreneur with a small or budding business? Would you describe your online presence as eh, lackluster at best? Well, girl, you're in luck because you're who I work with and making people shine online is what I do. This podcast is my passion, but in my day-to-day work, I am actually a web and graphic designer. I specialize in working with small businesses run by female entrepreneurs. Why? Because I am one of you. So I just get you. I get how you want to show up online as stellar and amazing as you do in person already. You want a system for growing your email list, converting traffic into customers. And most of all, you just want someone you can trust to execute all of that without a million redos or false starts. I know how hard it is to trust someone with your brand that feels kind of like one of your own children. But if you want to chat about your business's website or digital presence, I'm your girl. Email me at Haley at kindledpodcast.com or check out my web design website at hwilliamscreative.com. Yes. Okay. So the signs, what would some of the signs be? Yeah. So that would be inside the bedroom. We've got red flags to do with technology, if they're possessive, if they're defensive or secretive Mm -hmm. about their technology, staying up late, unaccounted for time. Mm -hmm. And then you've got behavioral red flags, like, has he become more critical? Is he more resentful? Is he just angry? Is he just like generally unhappy with things? What's, you know, it's like something's eating him and you just can't put your finger on it because nothing's Mm -hmm. changed. But, and this is all to do with how pornography affects the brain And it actually causes a baseline change in your level of happiness. So it's like any other addiction. It affects your brain in exactly the same way in that your brain responds to this unnatural high Mm -hmm. by dropping your ability to feel it. So it can cause this baseline change. So suddenly you actually need the drug to feel normal. Right. It's not only highly addictive, it's not only escalates to darker material, it can genuinely make you more miserable. And it also impairs your prefrontal cortex. So it stops your ability or impairs your ability to make good decisions, to make logical decisions. So even though they're like, I know my wife doesn't like this and I'm going to, you know, my marriage is on the line. I'm still going to do this because, you know, their brains aren't working effectively. Porn has actually given them brain damage. It's called hypofrontality. It's the same thing you get when you've been in a car crash. This is serious stuff. Sorry, I got distracted from my behavioral red flags. So maybe getting critical or resentful or angry, or they might become more withdrawn or distant because it really does affect the family the same way as any other addiction. And I think that helps to understand, to take some of the the shame and the blame, you know, away from the wife. If you're, I was thinking about this, if your husband was getting up in the middle of the night and going down and snorting cocaine, you wouldn't be lying there thinking, well, maybe I just need to do it with him. Maybe, maybe we just need to find a different dealer. You know, you you wouldn't be trying to fix it. You'd be like, we're going to stop this. This is really unhealthy for our relationship, your brain, our family enough. You know, if you can't do this, I'm going to help you. 
Um, And that's why I get frustrated in the church when the only message that we seem to hear when this issue is addressed to women is you just need to have more sex with them. You know, if you oh, make right, like it's yeah. it's all it's it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, have you heard that? Yeah, not at my church, but in general, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's such a common. It's the message. I mean, sometimes it's explicitly, and sometimes it's just in wives who've come to me and said, "Well, you know, I just talked to the pastor's wife, and she said, you know, if you really were available, he wouldn't need to do this." Yeah, not true. It's not true, and it also gives us the false belief that somehow we can cure this or we can control this. Mm -hmm. So all our effort goes on to trying to fix it and going on diets and buying more laundry and being more adventurous and possibly even doing things we don't want to do. Mm -hmm. When really, you just need to stand up and draw that firm line and go, no, enough. I love you too much. I love you too much to let this ruin what we've got. So what would a woman do? What would be the first step? You said, you know, you, you can't fix them. So you can't go about it. You're on your own. Yeah. But what, how do you uh, counsel people to what step to take first? Okay. Well, I'd say there's sort of three steps. The first one is education. This will motivate you to actually take the next step, which mm-hmm. is, you know, taking a firm stand. So things you can do to educate yourself. You could buy the book, which is basically all addressing this issue. Mm-hmm. Understand why your husband is doing what he's doing. Understand why he can't stop it without someone doing early intervention and helping him. Mm-hmm. Listen to the podcast. There's loads of resources on our website that will take you to all these fantastic other books that people have written about you know, what porn does to the brain, what it does to your sexuality, all these other, that there's so much information out there, but unfortunately people don't really get there until after the crisis, until their marriage has fallen apart. And then they're like, oh, this was what was going on. So educate, educate. The second step is take that firm stand, disengage with the craziness and focus on the task in hand, which is your job is not to fix your husband, but to get him to someone who can. It's really important. It's just we have such a, an influential role with our husbands and our behavior when we just refuse to engage or react, but just like, no, this is my bottom line. I'm not, we're not having porn in this relationship. It's me or the porn. It's not, this is not good for you in any, you can't see it at the moment, but it's not good for you and it's not good for our marriage. We really are Esther in that situation. It's really scary. It's really scary. And, you know, I'd love it if I, guys just went, you know what? You're right. I have got a problem. Thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. Let's get help. Mm-hmm. Very often. Sometimes it does. Sometimes guys get angry. They get defensive. They put it back on you. You know, you're the problem. You're nagging. You're paranoid. You don't give me enough yeah. sex. Yeah. And it just goes round and round and round. And it's really hard. And that's why you need step three, which is get support. Get plugged in to a group of other women, either in person, ideally, or online. And there are loads of springing, there's lots of ministries springing up at the moment exactly for that purpose. And there are links on our website for that. Find that group, get your support. Because when you're living with an addict, it is like living in crazy land. Mm -hmm. Their brains are not operating correctly. They are addicted to this drug which is released in their brain when they do pornography. Once you get that, then you go, oh, that's what I'm dealing with. I just need firm boundaries. It'll also break the shame for you. Mm -hmm. What would you say to the woman who's struggling with that herself? Would your, are the steps the same? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You need to find somebody safe and qualified because there are a lot of well-meaning people out there who, you know, want to love on you and help you, but they're just not qualified and they might not give you the right advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might inadvertently shame you or blame you. Or even, I have, he- I have heard this, 
you know, women who come say, look, I've got an issue with pornography and they'll go, oh no, romance novels, they're not, they're not pornography. You're mistaken. You know, the woman who's struggling is like, are you serious? How on earth can I come forward and confess what I'm really looking at when you don't even acknowledge that the problem exists? You can't even comprehend that I would be looking at that material. Right. Oh yeah. And you just touched on something that is, that sneaks under the radar a lot here with the romance novel or the uh, Fifty Shades of Yes, that one. Yep. Rhubarb, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's that's often, I would imagine, how people kind of get started or get introduced is is reading a book and realizing, oh, like I have a response to this and oh, well, what's the next step? Like, cause it's just it, like any drug, it's a gateway and sin, the drug of sin. Like there is nowhere that you max out with sin and you're like, oh yeah, that's, that's enough. You know, it's yeah. never, it, it is that addictive. It's progressive. Um, progressive. Yeah. Like you just said. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know whether, you know, I'm not the expert. I, I'm fortunate. I was born in the seventies. So internet porn was not around when I was growing up, thankfully. But I think women just get it, addicted off the bat now because it just like just you know girls getting addicted just like boys it pops up on your phone and what's that oh that's interesting they're curious it kind of feels good it kind of feels scary but there is something that keeps drawing them back there and that's totally Mm -hmm. normal it's totally normal to be curious and aroused by this material this is why it's so so dangerous Mm -hmm. so yeah possibly, you know, going gateway through romance novels, but I also think they're just getting addicted off the bat. It used to be with porn addicts, Mm -hmm. porn addicts like before the internet, there was always a, there was a profile of someone who got addicted, someone who was a sex addict. They came from dysfunctional families, you know, they were rigid, disengaged families or, you know, sexual abuse. There was always something there. Not anymore. Not anymore. Everybody is fair game now. Internet porn is such a powerful drug compared to your printed pornography. They call it the crack cocaine of addiction. And that's because the thing that keeps the pleasure chemicals, the dopamine squirting in your brain is novelty. Every time you click on something new, something shocking, something taboo, you get another squirt of dopamine. And the thing is with the internet, as you know, from those statistics you said earlier, it is endless possibilities, novelty. And because of the progressive nature of addiction because you build up tolerance and you need to search on something more taboo, more shocking, more more novel to keep the drug being effective because you build up tolerance. The porn industry is getting darker and darker and weirder and more violent and younger. And where is it going to stop? No, you know, exactly. It's not. It's not going to stop. <laughs> Which I, maybe we made some assumptions going into this that everybody agreed that you know pornography was damaging and wrong and sinful. Which I think is a pretty safe assumption to make. But just in case anyone has any doubt or is wondering, you know what if I have a spouse or what if I have a friend or, or someone I know who doesn't really get what's so bad, who doesn't really understand? Because I, I mean, I don't have anyone personally where I've had that conversation and experienced that, but I'm in some Facebook groups sure. where I have seen women ask questions about it. You know, my husband has this problem and other people have been like, oh, like, what's the big deal, girl? Like, we we just watch it together. Yeah. You know, why don't you just join him? And that idea, like, which for me is pretty shocking because that's, just so clearly wrong. But I know that that's got to be a more and more prevalent and common view that people are taking is yeah, like, there absolutely. is no moral reason for this to be wrong. So why are you, what's the big deal? Like, who cares? Well, not only is it not, not wrong, what, they're actually making it 
healthy. It's empowering. It's liberating. Right. We have feminist porn now, which is an oxymoron if you've ever heard one. You know, in no way, I don't care if that woman consented to be treated like that. That is not good for women in general, you know. Yes. Yeah. So um, in terms of the brain, we've already, uh, we've already talked a little about this, right. you know, it is addictive, it is progressive, it makes you miserable, and it gives you brain damage. Mm-hmm. We research, there have been so many studies done now that prove porn affects your brain, porn affects your relationship, porn affects your view of violence against women, mm-hmm. porn affects your ability to function sexually. There's a brilliant website called Your Brain on Porn. Mm -hmm. I've heard of that. And yeah, phenomenal amount of resources. And there is not one study that proves it's good for you. Mm -hmm. So they did research that proves it makes you dissatisfied with your real partner, even after short amounts. There was one study and they showed quite mild porn to a user group for one hour a week for six weeks. And then they interviewed them and said, how do you now feel about your own partner? And in every case, they were dissatisfied, you know, less satisfied with their appearance, with their sexual performance, with their attractiveness. If you're feeling distant from your husband and something is just off and he's never present when you're having sex, your instincts are right. You know, there was another study that proved the more people watch porn, the more they have to think about it to maintain their arousal while having sex. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's serious stuff. There, in the 1940s, there was one percent of men under 30 had erectile dysfunction. In 1992, it was seven percent. Today, 30 percent, 30 percent of our young men have got erectile dysfunction because of compulsive porn use. This is huge. Okay. I may sound like an idiot, but I didn't realize that was connected. Yep. Porn induced erectile dysfunction. And now they are producing drugs that you can pay for to compensate that. So, I mean, I mean, it's a brilliant, you know, in terms of profit, you know, you pay for your porn and then you pay for your drug to correct the problem that the porn caused. It's so evil. We've got documented trends in young women experiencing painful and distressing sexual experiences. We've got a whole generation of young women who are being groomed to expect and accept painful, distressing, unsatisfying sexual experiences. Mm -hmm. We've got an increase in child-on-child sex crimes. It's up 400%. What about, can I ask about, in, in terms of just, like, why is it wrong in God's eyes, like how, like, cause we know it is, but let's just, let's just lay it out there from your perspective and in, in, in your words, why sure. is this dishonoring to God? Well, I mean, the sin that God talks about more than anything else in quite ferocious terms is sexual immorality, flee sexual immorality. It, mm-hmm. it destroys your ability to inherit the kingdom of God here on earth. Mm. You know, that's what the Bible tells us. If you look at the, the swift repercussions for sexual immorality in the Old Testament, they're brutal. He's not, he's not like, well, just a bit of sin's all right. He's like, no, go in and, and you know, I will annihilate that. In, yes, I will yeah. annihilate that entire um, city. Mm -hmm. he's quite clear yeah you know i know most people are like you know you don't need to spell it out for me i know that but i i just think it's helpful to remember like yes the science and the studies and the brain is affecting all these things but like ultimately god has been clear in his word that this is sexual immorality there's no place for that and he he cannot dwell with evil and so when you are welcoming and opening that door and giving the double a foothold into your own mind and heart and life over and over again i mean 
we know that the Bible says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We know that there's power in our minds and that if we are dumping hot garbage into, yeah. into our minds, like it becomes a wasteland. And how can you at the same time be transformed? How can you be made more like Christ when you're welcoming that in? And I can speak from experience that it is not possible. You will, you know, anyone who's listening, who's experienced that personally or through a spouse, it is, you are in, like you were saying earlier, the threshold, it just keeps getting higher and higher You to feel normal. And it, yeah. it, like with any addiction, like you get an increased tolerance for alcohol, or yeah. we know that this is how people overdose on meth or crack cocaine because it's never enough. You need more and more and more. And so there isn't this idea of being able to control sin. Sin controls you. And so. Absolutely. Yeah. And the Imago Dei, you know, too, in every single human being, um, it's destroying the image of God in them. And and while you've got this addiction present, you, you're not being intimate with your spouse. You are holding part of yourself back. You are, you are hiding. So you're mm-hmm. not experiencing the marriage as God designed, which is walking in the light 100% with each other, which is glorious. There's a reason that Christ is described as the groom, because Mm -hmm. it's this wonderful, intimate relationship. And and our marriage is the closest thing that we get get to experience here on earth. And porn just destroys that. Mm -hmm. It destroys it. And and I love it that the science is now backing up what the Bible says. It's saying you, you cannot view your spouse in the same way. You cannot sexually be um, satisfied with your spouse in the same way if you are filling your head full of this. So true. Yeah. So how do we, we're talking, we've said it's so hard to have these conversations. It's so shameful. Nobody wants to bring it to light, especially in Christian communities. It's just this taboo topic. So how do we change that? Like, what can we as an individual person, regardless of what our church may or may not be doing, or our friends may or may not be saying, how do we move into relationships and bring this up or, or find out if our friends are struggling or if we've struggled, how do we share our stories? Like what, you know, what does that look like? Because I think it's got to start with me, you know, it's got to start like from, from here outward. Yeah, absolutely. It feels very much like the me too movement and it's going to take people bravely coming forward and going, you know, this was our story or this is my struggle. And it has to be a movement because it's so hard to do it on your own. I mean, I, I'm doing this and I'm going forward and I'm launching my book, but I'm doing it with a team, you know, a mm. team of other wives who are there to remind me that when I get attacked, you know, by the voice of the enemy going, do you know what people are going to think of you? You know, mm. they're there reminding me of the truth. You, we need each other. That's what I'm trying to say. And, it, and it's so encouraging. And that's why, you know, our Fight for Love Ministries, it's a movement. It has to be people coming forward and just sharing it. Things like the the... The Super Bowl really just, mm. it hit a no, it hit a nerve, I think, across the, the whole nation. Women were going, hang on a minute, this is not right. I'm feeling really uncomfortable. I can't quite articulate why I'm so uncomfortable. I'm supposed to be looking at this and thinking it's empowering, but I'm not. I'm sitting here and all the other women in the room are looking furious or upset or depressed. What is going on? And I, I feel like there's just this underground sense of, we've had enough. We've had enough of being objectified. We've had enough of being told that we're not sexy enough, that we have to be like this. We've had enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see what will happen in the next few years as more and more research comes out. It's like smoking in the fifties. We all thought smoking was cool and sexy and, you know, healthy. Right. You know, my, my doctor, you know, recommends camels. 
we thought it was healthy. And it's exactly the same with pornography now. We've got 15 states who have declared pornography a public health crisis. It will be every state eventually. We're just a little bit ahead of the curve. But that gives us an opportunity to partake and become part of that movement and just be bold. You know, even if it's just sharing a post, you can do that little step. Mm-hmm. you know, listen to the podcast, you know, because even if it's not your struggle, you will then be able to speak into the lives of yeah. other women. And I'd push it in your women's ministry, say, can we talk about pornography? Can, yeah. we, can we do that? You know, mm-hmm. can we talk about female addicts? Yeah. And, and also, you know, whenever your pastor talks about this from the pulpit and he talks, you know, about a male struggle, just afterwards, just say, can you mention that women struggle too? You know, we yeah. can take these little steps. And and also I would say, let's stop having talks about pornography to men solely, exclusively at a men's yes. breakfast event. Let's talk about it as a church. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, as the cynic that I am, I just think, well, that that's kind of easy. You know, you, you go to the event with everyone who's struggling the same almost if it's eight in 10 people. And it's going to be real hard for the two out of 10 to single-handedly hold all of those other people accountable. Like you, you need the full body of Christ, you know? Absolutely. And, and that, that would be kind of like trying to tie a knot with one hand. It just doesn't, why would you do that? It doesn't really make sense when you've got two. So yeah, I think that's very wise. And while of course there's definitely a way to handle this with uh, some modicum of like modesty and understanding that when you're dealing with marriages, like there's going to be some things that you're not going to talk about in a mixed gender setting, but it doesn't mean that you can talk about anything. So, yeah. And I think the other thing is we've forgotten who our savior is. We've forgotten how mighty our savior is. Is he really sitting there going, Oh, I'm a bit worried about the porn problem. He's like, hand it over repent, come clean, walk in the light, give it to me, stop hiding, stop hanging on to it. And, you know, we tend to assume that this is the, oh, I can't possibly come forward about a porn problem. Like this is the sin that separates us from the love of God. And that's just not true. There is no sin. There is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. We should be the ones who are able to go, do you know what? We're all messed up. We're all messing up. I am loved. I'm forgiven. I have no shame because I'm, I am loved. Yeah. And you've been set free. And if you are, if you're free, then you're free indeed. And, and he came, you know, John 10, 10, so that we would have life and have it to the full abundant life. And that is not abundant life. You know, if you've lived it from either side of the equation, you know, that's not abundant life. And yet, you know, we are settling in a lot of cases, we're settling for less than what he's promised and less than what he can give us. And that's always the problem, right? Like it's not that his promise of pleasure and intimacy in our marriages is less than porn. It's that it's more. Yeah. We think that we think that he looks at it as, um, I think in our distorted view, sometimes not most of us would never say we actually think this, but it's, it's this distorted idea that like God hates pleasure and God yeah. hates sex, even though he designed it, or, you know, yeah, and he designed exactly. marriages and no, he doesn't. It's just that you have too low a view of sex. He has a much higher view of sex than we do. Amen. And, and that's exactly the message that couples who have come through this process, they're going, you would not believe how good things are now, how different, how I didn't even believe this was possible. Mm-hmm. This is astonishing. It's not just about getting rid of the, the porn. That's just, yeah. you know, what gets you in the door. Right. It's about this. It's like an accelerated sanctification process. I mean, and we talk about it in our recovery group as a gift. Mm. You know, we are grateful, believe it or not, for this experience because 
we have these lives that we never even dreamed of and are marriages that are, you know, so honest, so real, so raw, because we really know each other, mm-hmm. you know, and share everything. And, it, and it's amazing. It really is. And I, th- I just feel like message of hope needs to be, you know, we should lead with hope. We should lead with hope because we have a great hope. Yeah. Man, that's so good. That's such a a rich message. And one that is like everything I hope to bring on the show, so filled with truth and grace, you know, and and it's equal. It's not one or the other. It's not, you know, this first, then that, but it's both. And, you know, they are completely inner, they are intertwined. And that's the, the beauty of kind of how you're addressing this and bringing light to this topic. And I'm really grateful that you're sharing your story and allowing that to just bring hope to other people. So thank, thank you Hayley. so much. Oh, thank you. It's been, it's been great to talk to you. And where can people follow you online, find your podcast, all of that? Okay. So our website is fightforloveministries.org. Our website is Fight for Love. Uh, the book is Fight for Love. Uh, our Instagram page is Fight for Love Ministries and our Facebook page is Fight for Love too. So all the same. Perfect. (laughs) Well, great. We'll link that too in the show notes, but now you guys know where to find her and thank you so much, Rosie. I really appreciate and I've loved chatting with you. Oh, me too. Thank you so much. Thanks guys so much for listening. I hope that episode was encouraging and informational for you. And if there's someone you know who's struggling in their marriage with pornography, either them or their husband, share this episode with them and let them know that they are not alone. And I know that I talked about this last week, but I am going to be taking at least the next four weeks off of publishing new episodes but I will be replaying some of my favorites for the next four weeks. So this will give those of you a chance who have not listened to every episode to go back and get caught up. And if you have, then it will give you a chance to listen to fewer podcasts, (laughs) maybe read a book, get an audible book over the summer to listen to. I don't know. Do whatever you want with your life. It's your life. Enjoy it. This is summer. It probably feels like the eternal summer because for a lot of us, we feel like we've already um, experienced two months of summer with our kids out of school and preschool. But I am going to be praying for you guys that this is a restorative time for you and your families, that you can enjoy the beauty of the season and just the beautiful weather and the sun. And even if your pool isn't open, that you're going to find new ways to enjoy water with your kids. Whatever it is that it's going to turn out to be for you, I will be praying that you will be able to see the glory of God in the everyday and even in the things that kind of stink and the places that you feel like you've lost just what you might have been looking forward to. I know there are places like that for me, but I also know that that is exactly where God can meet me. So I'll be praying that for you too. In the meantime, come find me on Instagram at hayleywilliams.kindled. I will definitely still be there. And yeah, let's connect. And then I will let you know on Instagram. That's actually the place you'll find out when I'm going to be airing new episodes. So whether that's four to six to eight weeks, I don't know. But come over on Instagram and I'll keep you up to date there. Okay, guys, have an amazing summer. See you soon.